You're listening to Give and Go Vikes with Liam and Tyler, supported by the UVic Alumni Association. Welcome to Give and Go Vikes. My name is Liam McDonough, and alongside my co-host Tyler Lowy, we bring you student-athlete stories from the world of the UVic Vikes. Today on the show, we host a Vikes athlete from the cross-country and track team who also happens to be a fellow podcaster. Josh Kozell is in his fifth year running with the Vikes and has already established himself as a talented journalist in the Canadian sports scene. This past year, Josh was the recipient of the U Sports Correspondent of the Year Award presented by the Globe and Mail. All right, we just wrapped up a great episode with our friend Josh Kozell. So Josh is actually a fellow podcaster. I think it was really cool having him on, kind of to get that perspective. We've never actually interviewed a fellow podcaster. No, we haven't. And I meant it when I brought it up and kind of raised my hand during the podcast. Like, I'd love to join and jump on that guy's podcast. This guy's right in my alley. Sports player, athlete, writer, Writing, you know, it's not an easy, it's not an easy industry to crack, whether it's newspapers, writing for radio, TV, doing podcasting, it's not easy. So he's way more successful than I am right now. And he's still in school. So I'm really looking forward to see where this guy takes his career. And I'm glad that we had the chance to get him on here. And if we can promote anyone to go read any of his pieces or listen to his podcast, I think that'd be a great help for him. I think he'd appreciate that. Absolutely. It's such a wealth of knowledge of sports too. You could totally tell uh, when we were talking about sports, how much he knew and just how much he would perk up uh, when we were talking about his teams. Something that I thought was especially awesome is just how he was so willing to share his personal story, uh, which we'll get into in the podcast. You guys will hear all about it. But yeah, Josh, such a good guy, just a straight up great guy ask great questions to us too. You could totally tell that he's in journalism. And uh, one thing I did want to say is it's very evident that he's paying his dues in the journalism industry and writing and getting so much good experience and realizing that like us, we make mistakes on this podcast and then we are continually growing. So it's cool to see that he's on the same sort of journey with his podcast that we are. Yeah. I'm sure we've provided tons of laughter over the however many episodes it's been so far. Tons of laughter, and at the same time, we've also built up a reputation about talking about food, sports, and hot takes. I think those are our three that you can pretty much bank on getting out of this podcast. Yeah, but this was a, this was the first time where we actually kind of hit a serious issue, and I think you know I think we had a pretty good conversation with Josh, and I think a lot of people can take something from that more than just hearing about you know where he grew up running and how he got into cross country. Totally, I think. Uh, we might as well just leave the rest of the podcast to the listeners and leave it at that. There's a lot of good meat to this podcast. If you're a vegetarian, there's a lot of good falafel burger to this podcast. (laughs) So many different pieces that Josh brought to the table. And before we get going, we want to thank him because it was honestly just such a good show. So uh, enjoy the podcast with Josh Kozell from men's cross country and track. Josh, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. How are you guys? Doing well. Really happy to have you as well. Yeah. Hey, Josh. This is the first time we've actually hosted a fellow podcaster on the show. So uh, we got to start. How do you think we're doing so far? I think you guys are doing great. Like, I, I've been following your guys' show and it's been, like, really cool to watch. Like, I don't know, one of my favorite episodes you guys had, like, it was a bit while back, but uh, you guys are giving your hot takes about The Last Dance. And, uh, oh, yeah. 
that was good to watch as somebody else who watched it. And yeah, just kind of like hearing other people's uh, student athlete stories is kind of exciting and really kind of humanizes athletes and stuff. Absolutely. I'm excited that you uh, brought up the hot takes because we're going to get into some hot takes later on today. Oh, perfect. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that was actually really cool for me, for Liam and I to do because personally, like, you know, wanting to be a sports writer and stuff, I never thought I'd have the chance to talk about like Michael Jordan in any kind of a sense where people would be paying attention. And thank you for the listen. I'm glad you enjoy (laughs) the show and hopefully we have a good episode here. So tell us about your podcast. It's called Two Youngish Writers with Josh Kozell. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I started that uh, like last month, I guess. So I filmed about three or four episodes now. And basically, like, I kind of started with the idea that like, I've constantly kind of heard that like, journalism is dying and et cetera like that. And I was really tired about hearing that. So I kind of really wanted to give a platform and like a voice for like other young journalists to kind of find a boat like, why they decided to become a writer in the first place and kind of highlight their young careers so far and why they love to write because I think that's important to kind of find that root of well love why you want to do something and it's been super cool to have like other young writers on just kind of like build connections and hear their stories about writing I think it's like writing is like really kind of like a solitary act I mean like we're all in front of our computers typing kind of alone but I think community at large is really kind of special and it's been super cool to uh like listen to their writing stories they're trying to take some notes in their techniques and uh maybe learn something myself to become a better writer and it's been yeah, it's been a blast so far i've noticed that you have uh guests kind of from all over so are these connections that you've just made throughout this process or do you already know those people yeah so i guess the two people i've had i've had three people on now i guess literally just published one uh, this morning the one guy i published one guy this morning um noah wolf from ohio and basically that kind of connection came from last year because I, I worked for the victoria harbor cats the last two summers um writing game i was basically like a media assistant i wrote game recaps and game notes and program stuff and noah was a broadcaster for the bend elks baseball team and one time like i was just doing some pre-game work in the booth and then he came up and introduced himself to me and um, we just started talking about baseball and then we started talking about like MLB and stuff and he was talking about uh, the Chicago Cubs and I was like oh that's my favorite team too and we just instantly connected from there and formed a friendship and follow each other on Twitter and the other people like followed on Twitter as well and just like DM'd and be like hey like do you want to be on this podcast? I'm trying to highlight other young writers' voices and learn about their stories. And uh, like within like literally like five minutes, they responded. It was pretty cool. <laughs> That's sweet. That's awesome. It's called Young-ish Writers. So I'm worried that you're going to have to change the title of this podcast in like 15 years. I know. That's the, the got to think of that longevity, I guess. <laughs> Two. Or you or you have an age cap on your uh, your guests. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if the age cap's under 30, I can still be a guest on your podcast. I'd hey, love to appear on it. Yes, we'd love to have you on. I, let's get them on. <laughs> let's, we're making things happen here. Love it. Podcasting. <laughs> so are there any podcasters that inspired you? Yeah, I listen to two pretty frequently. The Sports Illustrated Media Podcast with uh, Jimmy Traina, I li- like listening to. I'm really a big geek into like sports media info. I always have been. I don't know why. And then um, the Athletic Podcast with uh, Richard Deitch hosts as well. Okay. Kind of about sports media. And it's pretty cool because like he interviews like other broadcasters or writers to kind of like gain a sense of their backstory as well. So kind of trying to frame it throughout there. And also... 
this American book writer and journalist, Jeff Perlman, has a podcast called um, Two Writers Slain Yang. And it's both kind of like the same thing I was trying to maybe kind of replicate and inspired from my kind of one that I started about interviewing writers and just kind of learning their story and <laughs> just take some techniques from them. <laughs> so if we're sticking with a theme of, let's say, under 30, who are your top three podcast guests that you would love to have on? It doesn't have to be a writer, but could be anybody in sports media. Oh, geez. That's a great question. I guess, like, I got two two people right off the bat that I guess, like, I don't know if they count as one, but I've always been a big fan of uh, Pardon the Interruption. So, like, uh, oh, yeah. Mike Wilbon and Tony Kornheiser. So, like, I yeah. guess, I don't know if that's one or two people, but I've always, like, been a big fan of, like, literally 2.30 every afternoon to try and go oh, yeah. and watch them. I'm trying to think of, like, other guys. I really like um, Cathal Kelly. He's a Globe Mail writer. Okay. Um, He's a sports writer there, and he's just has some fantastic, like, opinion pieces on talks about, like, Toronto sports, but also just kind of, like, sports in general, which is super fascinating. And I guess, like, probably uh, trying to think, like, who else would be. Um, there's one um, writer, her name is Kate Fagan, and she wrote one of my favorite books called What Made Maddie Run. And it was started, like, as an ESPN piece. And uh, it'd be kind of cool to talk to her about her career. <laughs> Pick a brain, yeah. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Uh, are you more of a Wilbon or a Kornheiser guy? You know, like, I kind of like them, like, both almost 50-50, but I kind of like uh, maybe Kornheiser a little bit more. I don't know, That's he does the, right the kind of flag at the end, so kind yeah. of like that, too. <laughs> that is true. I'm more of a Wilbon guy myself, but uh, I definitely respect Kornheiser. He's a great... Yeah. I don't know, they both just fire out takes, and you don't know what either of them is going to say, that sometimes I'm wondering if it's actually what they believe, because they're so passionately against each other all the time. It's so true, right? Like, sometimes I got to think about that. And I don't know, they just kind of, like, work like such well, like, in tandem. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I want to ask you guys, are you guys big Stephen A fans? Stephen A Smith? Oh, <laughs> man. Not at all. Never. <laughs> uh, I, I, I put him in the same bubble as, like, Skip Bayless. Like, guys okay, that'll yeah. say stuff for the purpose of saying things, but okay. there's no real story behind it. They just, like, starting fires under people. Um, yeah. Not I a big like, Stephen I, A guy. Yeah, I grew up kind of like with like it was like Skip and Stephen A on first take, and like I kind of loved watching it, but then I kind of like drifted away. I don't know, I'm, I don't mind him now, but yeah. on YouTube he always gets me those like click big titles of Stephen A's reaction to this. I'm just like, oh, I gotta watch it now. <laughs> yeah, he's just a reaction guy. But yeah, I think I've yeah. mentioned it before, but I'm a huge Bill Simmons fan. Like, okay, yeah. Bill Simmons is by far my favorite. Any kind of sport, I think he can cover them all. I think he's great. Yeah, um, he has a but, great podcast as well, like The Ringer and stuff. It's really popular. Yeah, if you've been listening to The Ringer recently, talking about some of the Mavs and Clippers matchups in the mm. playoffs, there's some really good content in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, a really interesting uh, thing, too, is he's been, uh, he works with Raja Bell, who used to play for the Suns. And oh, yeah. he actually has a really good uh, broadcasting voice as well, too. He's an awesome guy to kind of get a good insight of what goes on on the floor. Nice. And yeah, that's kind of cool. Like, I, know, I like the Suns growing up because like Steve Nash, obviously. Mm. And that's kind of cool to Raja Bell shout out. And also like the ringer I saw like on YouTube, I think it was back in March at the beginning of pandemic time. They like broke down like literally a box score of the office basketball episode. So that was great. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's one of my favorite episodes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was good. So before we move on, we want to ask you one more question about your podcast. For sure. uh, what are some of the biggest struggles and victories that you've faced with having your own podcast? Because personally, we've battled mispronunciations, software <laughs> issues, and a whole range of other things. But underlying all that is some great stories. 
Yeah, I think honestly, that's kind of the same thing for me. Just trying to learn how to produce it. And that's been the biggest thing is kind of get the music, get the producing, get the intro, outro, all this stuff. I've never really kind of done before because I'm pretty comfortable with the interview process. I've done it like for a few years with the Martlet and stuff and my other journalism work. But like, yeah, kind of all that behind the scenes and trying to like, I want to make my like show kind of really kind of come more conversational, kind of like what you guys are doing too. And I guess just big one of the big obstacles is uh, I remember like the first episode I filmed I had my questions prepared and I literally just like ran right through all of them I'm like oh my god it's been like 10 minutes <laughs> I want to like try and like make it like I got thinking on the fly like other things and but yeah like definitely like the producing stuff and just trying to like settle into a groove and mm-hmm. I don't know like you guys just settle in nicely so like trying to replicate what you guys are doing too. <laughs> Appreciate that, man. So what we usually do is I, I end up doing quite a bit of the scripting and then Tyler has the tough job where he does the tech stuff in the background okay. and I get these awesome text messages at like 11 p.m., <laughs> 12 in the morning and he's, he's just saying like, man, the software program broke down again. Oh my Lost goodness. three hours of editing and I swear this has happened four times now, five probably. Yeah, there's only been like one huge setback. It's not... I go through and I stutter a lot, but the people that listen to the final product, they're not going to hear all my stutters because I clean all of it up because I don't want to sound like an idiot. So I spent some time doing that, editing the audio, and I'm not at all qualified to do any of that. So there's probably a much easier way for it all to get done, but I'm just figuring out as I go. I don't know. It's a fun Uh, world to be a part of though. Yeah. Like sometimes it's like you just learn on the fly. It's kind of the best thing, I guess. I don't know. It's uh. It's definitely, I, I respect the tech whole scene and everything. It just kind of gained a whole new appreciation for it after like trying to figure it out myself too. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was a big year for you for multiple reasons, but we mentioned earlier that you won the, you were named the U Sports Correspondent of the Year Award presented by the Globe and Mail. Can you tell us about the correspondence program? Yeah, so that was kind of like a really cool, uh, neat award that, yeah, I wasn't really expecting that at all. And uh, yeah, I guess I, my editor actually at the Martlet, um, Emily Fagan, she passed along a flyer or an email from, I guess it was like New Sports is like saying, oh, we're hiring. And I, got, I remember I got the email, but I think it was maybe like a week after their deadline. So I was like, oh no, like, am I even going to like get into this thing in the first place? So I like that same day, I like fired off an email to Alan Hughes, which is the main oh, yeah. sports. He looks over all the sports in the correspondent program. And I was like, oh yeah, like we'll like slide your application in here. And I interviewed on like a Skype, whatever, like a few days later. And I was so happy to join the team. And it was kind of neat because I remember as soon as I saw that um, article, I kind of already had article ideas. Or as soon as I saw like the, job posting I had article ideas like of what I would like to write for them kind of going into that year and after like the interview with Alan I, I thought it went pretty well I'm like okay maybe I'll just pursue a story in case they do get hired and like if not maybe I can pitch, pitch to somewhere else and um, I ended up doing some work for a story on um, Eric Lutz who's a Calgary runner and it was a story about how he broke his back in uh, 2018 and then he kind of came back after like his best cross country years like ninth at U Sports and kind of came back and then yeah I joined like the U Sports team in September and then I had that story already ready and so I just pitched it right to Alan and then it came out in that October and yeah super cool like reception and yeah just like a really neat experience because I think it's kind of cool that correspondent program because it allowed you to dig your toes into various different sports instead of just maybe cross country for me or like basketball or like, you know, kind of those main sports that I think are the ones that are like maybe more popular than others and gain more attention. So it's kind of cool to do some research on like the volleyball scene or 
like hockey or any other sports that were like kind of because they had this one weekend watch thing where you would basically all the correspondents would pitch big games that you sports should focus on and it went down to like this friday column that previewed oh like the one and two teams in volleyball are playing this weekend so it's kind of like need to do some research with that so it's a great experience not for like long form writing for stuff that's stuff that i'm really interested in but also for research on like different other sports and kind of broadening your scope (laughs) how many correspondents are in the program um there's about like 20 i think maybe just over 20 yeah 2025 something like that so how do they determine which stories i'm assuming it's an editor but maybe if it's if there's another way maybe you can fill us in stuff how do they decide what goes on the website I guess a lot of times with the stories, they want to maybe focus the stories to like a specific season. So I knew that like October was cross country season. So that one story I had would come out a week before Calgary hosted their Can West cross country championship. So it kind of like tied in that way. And like, so usually they, tr- they try and run the story with the season that the sport is happening instead of having maybe a whatever, a basketball story in like April or something, um, maybe after the season. And yeah, maybe it's just like, kind of like they pick the pitches that they think the writer explained the best or previewed the best way. Yeah, kind of just like the editor choosing Alan and his team. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, and so Josh wrote a story that's on our website right now. Well, it's, I mean, it's August 26th. This won't come out for a while, but go back onto the women's field hockey page. wrote a great story about Anna Mullenhauer that for whatever reason, you sports didn't think was good enough. It was a great story. <laughs> so we've seen that you've written for a number of, great and made it's like the cbc globe and mail and tie uh, but not super dave's basement unfortunately <laughs> so what's it like seeing your content published in a major newspaper wait, wait wait one second one second before you answer that question super dave's basement tyler i know what it is but you have to clarify what that is i, I was going to save this to the end but super dave's basement <laughs> is just a blog josh i know you probably did this at some point where you just needed somewhere to write and so i started up my own blog and just wrote about whatever the heck I wanted to, and I called it Super Dave's Basement because I was living in my buddy's place at the time, and we call his dad Super Dave because he's an absolute beauty. And I was in his basement, and one day he was yelling at me like, you know, why don't you have your own blog? Like, everyone's getting their blog. This is right up your alley. And so I was like, okay, whatever. I started up a blog called Super Dave's Basement. I don't know the password for it, but I, I think it's still out there. So check oh, it out. I love that. That is amazing. <laughs> okay, you may have to repeat the question, but I yeah, wanted to like clarify that the for everybody national involved. byline, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's exhilarating. I don't know. It's pretty cool. I guess I kind of had like, you know, I've always been like, I guess writing's kind of always been something I knew I wanted to pursue from a young age. I mean, I kind of grew up reading the province newspaper in Vancouver. My dad had a uh, subscription to that. And I always like devoured like Vancouver Canucks content. It was like Ed Willis, Tony Gallagher, kind of like my two of my favorite writers growing up. So I kind of like always dreamed about having like my readers maybe reading a byline. So yeah, I remember like when I first started came out in the globe in uh, i guess that was 2018 i'm like i think i bought like six copies of the paper i have one of my articles like framed in my room here and yeah it was just pretty wild even like seeing the online twitter reaction because a lot of the stories i kind of deal with are pretty personal so it was kind of 
scary to have your work out there for thousands or millions of people, whatever to see. So it was kind of putting yourself out there. So in the days before, I was kind of like nervous and antsy, but kind of seeing that positive reaction to personal stories of mental health, because I guess part of my reasons why I want to write about that is because I've gone through it. I know I'm not the only one that's dealt with stuff like that before. So I think seeing that positive reaction has been really kind of amazing and like reinforce that idea that it's a larger community for those kind of issues. But um, yeah, it's just, it's kind of like in my wildest dreams that I think, you know, like have been published in the Globe or CBC or like Tai or yeah, it's kind of been a whirlwind. <laughs> it's wild. That's a, that's a major credit to your name. It's, it's mm-hmm. really cool. And, and uh, speaking about mental health Thank too you. is a very mm-hmm. brave topic to talk about, especially when it's personal too. So mm-hmm. we want to talk about that in a sec. I do want to ask you a couple more questions. Just sure. any favorite stories or favorite articles that you've written? Yeah. I definitely think the first one I wrote by the Globe Mail was probably, I want to highlight is me just because it was kind of that first national byline I had. And it was a story I've been kind of, I buried for a long time. And besides that, like a couple other ones I wrote for the Martlet. I've been there since like 2017, September. And I wrote one story, one feature that always kind of like sticks with me is about, is what this boy genius in Victoria, he was this mathematical wizard. And I sat down with him for an evening at the Esquimalt Rec Center after he finished swim practice. And him, his mom and his sister were there with me. And the whole interview was just basically him like running around the table, showing me all his math equations, all like the solar system. And then he had like a Rubik's cube, he solved it like within literally whatever, like five minutes, something like that. And it was just like, I remember like, that interview came out. I did the interview, I think, two days after that Globe Mail article came out. So I was still kind of like on that high <laughs> and like that coming out. And then just going to that interview, which I remember kind of walking out there. I had my questions prepared. I usually like having that script, like maybe you guys have it as well too. And it keeps you kind of structured. And with that, it was just kind of, it was really hard to get his attention because he kept on going around from room to room. And I was just, you know what, I'm just going to go, go with this guy and uh, let him take me into his world. And the story really kind of went in that direction it's, I like inviting the reader into the scene and walking in through what Jose which was the kid's name walking into the room like him running around the table he was writing like I had my he was writing the solar system solar system on my book with the questions that I had on it and just <laughs> taking the reader into that and then how fast he solved the Rubik's Cube was all pretty cool so maybe like those two were in particular I interviewed um, for the Taiyi piece I interviewed Tai Long who is a kicker for the BC Lions Mm -hmm. back in like a few years ago and he kicks the Chargers now and that story kind of just happened after I like DM'd him on Twitter and I was like hey like do you want to talk about um this is also after the Cody Parkey Chicago Bears Philadelphia Eagles playoff game where Parkey hit the upright and I remember double doink double doink yes exactly and that story happened after I was watching that game in Victoria in my room and I was just thinking to myself in what profession would people, if you mess up like one time, would they like wish you like kill yourself, throw beer balls at you as you're leaving mm-hmm. the field? So kind of like it was a story about um, why kickers are always kind of like facing this abuse. And then Tai Long was super great to talk with. And <laughs> I was kind of very shocked to see him respond to my DM because he's like a pro kicker. So <laughs> That's sweet though. I yeah. Kickers are interesting breed. I, um, I've got a friend that went to Stanford uh, and played field hockey there. And she was telling me that one of the kickers one time missed a really important kick and like mm-hmm. pretty much that was dependent on whether or not they're going to make the playoffs or pr- proceed in the playoffs or something. And the guy was just getting so much 
much abuse and people were hating on him so much. But I don't think people understand the pressure you go through to make. It's like making one. If you have one jump shot, do you make it? Exactly. It's not. It's so true. You hit the nail on the head. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I couldn't do it. But, I couldn't yeah. do it either. So you, are you a big Chicago sports fan in general? Then you said you're a Cubs fan, hey? I'm, yeah, I'm a Cubs fan. I a Cubs fan. Yeah, that kind of like started since I was like eight years old. I a network called WGN that I got in Vancouver. Yeah. And. My dad is not a big Toronto sports fan, so it was inbred in me for, like, growing up that I couldn't root for any Toronto teams. I don't know. Like, I don't mind, like, the Blue Jays or the Raptors, personally, now. The Leafs are a different question. Uh, I won't cheer for them, but <laughs> the Cubs are my – I see Tyler in your back when you get that Leafs thing, so. <laughs> Tyler is huge. Just, like, Tyler is the ante of what you're saying right now. He only yeah, no. covers yeah, this, Toronto sports. I'm, a, like, I'm about to hang up this Zoom call right now. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Well, yeah, so I'll give you my teams. I'm a – Cubs, uh, Seahawks, and Canucks. And okay. like, I'll cheer for the Suns, too, because I like Steve Nash. So you got to be pretty happy with that big uh, Canucks win last night, hey? Oh, my God. I was literally screaming. So. I don't know how <laughs> they did that, but that was yeah. sweet. Yeah. I don't know. Like, they kind of surpassed my expectations. So anything here is like a bonus. But I don't know, like, my roommate, Tyler Hughes, a huge Leafs fan, Tim Longley. So I've grown to appreciate the Leafs, too. Like, I love Matthews. I love Tavares. It's Good. Marner. It's hard to, like, not root against that young core. If I like root for the fight, say I root for Leafs, my dad will like disown me. So I have to subtly cheer for those three young studs because I mean, like, they are quite an exciting team to watch. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so now that we know your teams, if you had an ideal beat to cover, what would it be? Honestly, I think baseball. I really like riding about baseball. You know, like, there's nothing really better. I love than just kind of like on a summer evening, just like in the broadcast booth watching a baseball game. And it's, it's such like a sport that I think like maybe young people like or like people my age might not like because it's slow, but I've always loved the strategy of baseball and following that. So maybe like a specific sport, baseball, but also just writing human interest kind of stories about athletes. I think that's also something that really interests me. So any kind of sport about like a human, I like guess an athlete, like persevering through some sort of thing or why they decide I want to write a sport, why I want to play a sport or why they're doing something, I think is something that interests me in exploring some issues beyond um, the typical kind of like sports game recap. So can I make a challenge? Yeah. Okay. So um, Tyler, I don't know if you know this about Tyler, but Tyler used to play college baseball for TRU. And mm-hmm. then he's a pretty legendary men's league baseball player as well. So <laughs> I challenge you, do you think you could write a story about Tyler's background history, the face behind the guy that's interviewing the Vikes, what he actually did when he was in college? Yeah, you could do it. Yeah, you can write a feature story about pretty much anything, I think. It'd be kind of cool to learn about Tyler's background, why he wanted to play baseball, why he chose TRU, what it was like to play their men's league and everything, and then move on to Victoria. It'd be kind of a neat story. Tyler, <laughs> I, can you do me a favor right now and tell that story about the diving boards? What's the di- oh, the gainers for grubs? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> this was one of the funniest stories I've ever heard. It's so good. first of all if josh is going to do a feature on me or have me on this podcast he's not going to get a lot of clicks that's not a lot of people want to know that story oh no (laughs) okay yeah well this is going to be a long podcast i'll take up an extra five minutes right here no big deal this is going to take five minutes it's going to take a couple minutes okay i can't wait to see you transition into our next topic after this liam so josh college student you're not getting paid every two weeks you're looking to eat Falling on a budget. You're trying to get any meal you can. So me and my buddies, we were down at the pool one day and there's, they got the three, the one meter, the three meter and dive boards, right? 
And so my one buddy says, okay, I'll buy you dinner if you run off the five meter and you attempt three gainer flips. You don't have to land them. You just have to attempt them. So that's where you run forward and at, as you jump off, you do a backflip somehow. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, yeah, absolutely. Free meal, like sign me up. And so I run off. I get like, you know, halfway, three quarters, land, boom, like flat on my back and it kills me. But I get up, I shake it off after a couple seconds. I'm like, you know, I could, I know what I did wrong there. I could just kind of swing my legs harder. I can stick this. And then I got two gainers and I get a free meal. So I go, I run, I do the exact same thing. Boom, right on my back. And this one kills. I'm underneath the water. Like I'm just like kind of shaking and I get up and my buddies are just laughing laughing their butts off and the lifeguard comes over. She's like, are you okay? I was like, Oh no, I can, I can barely talk. He's like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> and at that point you got the tug of war in your head. Like, do I put myself through this one more time? Is it really worth a free meal? Or like, if I just walk away right now, then I've just failed two gainers for absolutely nothing. <laughs> and so I eventually got back up, did a third gainer, landed on my back, completely like killed and hurt. But I got a free meal at Boston Pizza, so it was absolutely worth it. Worth Boston it. Pizza, oh, I man. love it. Oh, <laughs> That's funny. a great story. Oh, yeah. That like encapsulates the you know the grind of like whatever student athlete. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. No meal cards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's the kind oh. of stuff I was up to at university. But. Yeah, nice. You had quite it. the university career by the sense that. It's a perfect intro something. for your feature story. Oh yeah, I think we just <laughs> intro with that story. It'd yes, be great. exactly. <laughs> yeah. So Josh, something that I've seen you write about quite a bit is being an advocate for mental health and how counseling can change a person's life. So, had you intended to share your personal story when you started to pursue journalism? I guess I always knew I kind of like wanted to kind of share my personal experiences. When I first started writing for like the UVic blog, which is kind of started that after I wrote for the Martlet as well, um, I thought that was kind of like also a good avenue to kind of explore how I battled mental health. I mean, I've seen counseling for like years and kind of going throughout high school. It was something I regularly did every every week or two just for social anxiety and depression um, worries because that really reaches height in high school for me. And then I saw counseling as well while well, I was here at, uh, in Victoria. And and it's, no, it's an issue that I think a lot of people like my age and like other people as well just like kind of deal with daily. And um, my kind of goal was, yeah, I don't know, use like some of the platform that I had in the writing kind of world and really advocate for that, for people that are suffering or they're going through things. Because I think I've been there like every other night, every night or whatever, just like thinking that I'm like the only person battling some sort of mental Ill health problem or like I'm. I'm scrolling through Instagram at like 11 o'clock at night, seeing all the photos of happy times and thinking like, why, why, why aren't I having that or feeling like that? And it's got a position that's really relatable. And I really wanted to, some ways in my work to express that, you know, no, you're not alone. Like I deal with stuff like that is pretty common. And I think like a lot of other people do as well. And this guy, mental health community is really supporting and uplifting too. It's absolutely important to talk about and mm-hmm. it takes a lot of bravery. And mm-hmm. it's interesting that mental health kind of has a stigma when people go to the doctor and get physical checkups all the time. But oftentimes I've heard it compared to going to your counselor, it can be like a mental health checkup too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think especially a couple other, um, Kevin Love and like DeMar DeRozan and how they've been outspoken about that too. His definitely other kind of two athletes that you like see as good 
like role models for uplifting mental health and kind of advocating for those kind of issues too. Absolutely. Yeah. And it just shows that, you know, these guys are all NBA players, all stars, they're making hundreds of millions of dollars and they're still going through some of that stuff. So it can literally happen to anybody. Yeah, definitely. It's so true. So you wrote a piece in the Globe and Mail and it talks about how running basically saved your life. What was it about running that allowed you to be free? I just think that running has always kind of served for me as it's kind of like an active kind of like therapy. Whenever I go for a run, usually you you just leave your problems at the door, you lace up your sneakers, you just go run through the trails. I mean, like kind of been like fortunate. They live in Vancouver, Victoria. There's so many like good outdoor spots you can go. And you just, I just love that feeling of pushing your body to limit and just getting into the rhythm of like your feet clapping against the trail or the road or and it really kind of transports for me anyways, away from any problems that I may be dealing with. And for like that, whatever, 30, 40, 50 minutes, hour that you're kind of out there, it really kind of just transports you away from any mental health or any other kind of problems you're dealing with. And it just serves like a really kind of cathartic experience. Because for me, two avenues that I that work for me when valuing mental health is writing and running. <laughs> That's kind of the two things I'm pursuing at university. So, so I've really kind of loved the last kind of few years here, really furthering that journey. When I'm not, when I don't have like, cause I mean, you can't run all day long or <laughs> so you can't, uh, writing kind of uses that. I've been, I always been an advocate of like journaling and stuff. And um, I have a, a lot of other kind of writing um, opportunities through that to kind of help me look after mental health problems. And then, Running is like outdoor, just like activity to, you know, it's like a release. And like I mentioned before, a cathartic experience. Just let your, let yourself go for a bit and just, just run. <laughs> totally enjoy where you're at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With that, I mean, you're also a very good runner. Uh, we <laughs> should say that. So what does placing well at races and earning Canada West All-Star honors mean to you considering that running has this completely other different meaning to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question yeah it's i guess like the one the one time when i'm like i'm not really worried or like no running is not because it doesn't really serve as that like you know outlet or like you have relaxing outlet that i usually live to is like kind of racing times <laughs> it can be like high intensity and stressful but well i'm pretty competitive uh so i do like that kind of competition side so i think the competition aspect helps alleviate any sort of maybe other things I'm worrying about because it gives you like oh like gets you excited to race improve yourself and test your limits to like race against other guys in the country or whatever for going out of the states to race and I think another thing that's maybe also helps with that is when we're like traveling with a team to like a meet is kind of like a really kind of good bonding experience with the team. So I think that aspect of running and, you know, rooming with a team or going out for dinner with the team is also really kind of cool and powerful because it promotes that group mentality and you're not, you're not alone kind of thing, which is part of the reason why when I battle depression, I always feel like I'm alone. So kind of when you're racing, especially in cross country, you know, you're in with seven other people on a course or indoor track, you may be doing like relays or whatever. And like maybe racing with some people, in your heat so that part's been really fun for me too mm-hmm. so you just mentioned uh figures in professional sports like DeRozan and Kevin Love that are really big advocates for mental health so we want to ask you how prevalent uh, are mental health issues amongst student athletes specifically yeah I think they are I think it is it is I think it can be a big issue I think with student athletes there's a lot on student athletes plates that they do have to deal with between 
their sport responsibilities, their school responsibilities, work responsibilities. I think a lot of times when I talk with other kind of athletes, it's kind of finding that balance between, you know, if you have work, you got to pay for courses, but then you also got to focus on your sport practices, but then you also want to have a social life. I think kind of find that healthy balance and that time management can cause like some issues as well. If you're like feeling you're maybe lacking or you're, uh, emphasizing to one area or not specifically and I think like university as well as can age and we're still just kind of find ourselves and who we want to be and find our careers and kind of that stuff so I think it is definitely kind of prevalent but it's been nice to see that like UVic and U Sports and these other big institutions to are like oh let's talk mental health days becoming like a really big source of like more outreach and people mm-hmm. are feeling more comfortable sharing their stories. So I think as we kind of like, and social media too, kind of like sharing, it's like giving athletes a platform to share their own stories, which kind of just fox into that whole community kind of idea. So I think it is prevalent, but I think these organizations and these universities as a whole are doing a pretty uh, good job of their care and the reach that the student athletes need. Mm-hmm. That's great to hear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think a, a great way to end this conversation just about mental health is we, we do reach a lot of listeners through this podcast. Um, and a lot of the time we talk about funny stuff, but mm-hmm. there's always an element of um, seriousness too that comes with it. So if there are any student athletes out there that could be dealing with issues surrounding mental health in any way, what would you say to them? Yeah, I would say don't be afraid to talk to your teammates or talk to your coach because the experiences I had, I mean, everybody's experience is kind of different. I've always had really supportive teammates or coaches and it's been really nice and powerful to like be a leader or teammates or maybe just talk with somebody because these are the guys you're around with for most of the year. Maybe like if you're not comfortable, maybe one or two people, like maybe just message them through writing or texting kind of thing, talk on the phone. The worst thing you can kind of do is hold these problems inside. So I think any sort of communication with somebody else is is the like the utmost importance because I think there's nothing better than like letting something out after holding it in for so long because it can be really kind of debilitating and feel like I don't know like for running feels like you're running with 10 pounds more (laughs) so I think letting out something is just don't hold things in and you know talk with people thank you for sharing that part of your story with us Josh we really appreciate that no problem yeah I mean if one person takes your advice there that's a that's an absolute win for this podcast and for mental health in general so yeah and i'd be happy to like whatever talk to anybody if they're going through things i mean i've battled my own stuff so i'd be happy to Mm -hmm. help people out Mm -hmm. yeah thank you well we want to get to some running here and start talking a little cross country with you you're two-time canada west all-star but you've also finished in top 50 at at the u sports championship twice not bad considering that a lot of people might not know that you're a walk-on how do you go from, you know, not running in the varsity events as a first year to being one of the top long distance runners in the program? Yeah, it just kind of like, I guess, I've always been kind of, I felt like a late bloomer. I remember, like, I remember when I was playing in, uh, I played football in like middle school. Now that's actually my first sport I ever really wanted to play. And we were like having like, picks, whatever. I think I was like one of like the last picks for the team. And I remember our team went on to like go to provincials and we became like top 10 in provincials. And I was like, whatever, like one of the better wide receiver cornerbacks, like those two positions that I played on the team. And like, I think it's, I'm pretty good at like, I think I'm, I like to play like the long game kind of like, you know, like do the work and it might not, I, I have a problem maybe like kind of like selling this stuff in the first time and like kind of getting into that routine and rhythm. So yeah, my first year, I guess, like I didn't, didn't race U sports or I kind of raced a couple of cross country meets and then 
making the team going on for the last couple, uh, three, four years now has been super cool experience. It just kind of proves that like that hard work and dedication pays off. Cause that was two aspects that I was like always been kind of instilled in me, like growing up from like, my parents, from my coaches kind of thing. And yeah, it's been, it's been pretty cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. We had, we had Chloe Hewitt and Georgia Ginther on the podcast recently mm-hmm. and Forgive me, I don't know the name of this, but you've raced at the U Sports meet. There's this corner at the U Sports, like this hairpin the turn. Hairpin corner, yeah. <laughs> and Kings. What are your experiences with the corner? Have you survived this hairpin corner? It's a brutal corner. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's like complete 180. It is wild. I actually don't think. I might have fallen, like, I've raced, like, I literally raced in Kingston, like, I think once, or once or twice a year since. 2016 wow. so like i've had this i faced this corner quite a bit i think i've only fallen like one time but i remember there was one race in 2018 and my teammate alex nemothy he was going around this corner and i was right behind him and he just completely wiped out and the thing with this corner too is usually like the senior races they're at towards like the end of the day so the course they're already super chewed up from the long spikes and this corner is just like it's basically like you're doing like a complete 180 on ice basically so it was pretty brutal and like the people like usually holding the rope but alex was like taking this corner a little too like hard and he completely dolphin dived out and like oh, wow. actually he made the cover of canadian running because like, he was photo just him like face down in the mud so we gave him a good timer he like texts us the group chat he's like well i made canadian running not the way i would like to dream of but oh that's yeah, so, so funny kind of funny um but yeah i think like, well, i've only like Fell like one time, but besides that, I usually a couple a couple of times in the corners there because I raced like pretty decent at Kingston. One of the things that I've always has helped me was I played my other sport. Like I, I always wanted to be a football player growing up, but then I stopped that for one year. But then in high school, I picked up basketball and I played basketball from grade nine, ten, and that was my big sport. And one of the big things they told us, and like when you're playing on defense and you close out, and like a stutter step when you close out to somebody, and that stutter step around that corner, I feel like always helped me every uh, time I raced there. <laughs> That's cool. That's a cool. I transition it. Yeah. Yeah, kind of funny how like different sports grew up help you in ways you would never. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. What has been some other advice that you've taken from maybe a coach with the Vikes or a coach elsewhere that stuck with you and helped you get you to where you are in the sport? Yeah, I think one of the biggest advice is trusting the coaches that they have like a process for you because one of the things Hillary and Brent have been pretty good at with me is they check my log pretty consistently and they usually give me feedback about, oh, you should run X amount of miles like this week, the next week, this week. So I think just trusting that they know what's best for you they're the coaches they're the experts of what they did what they're doing and i think just following that plan and uh, i think sometimes for me personally it can be like hard for other people to like maybe have this desire to do extra you know run an extra repeat run an extra track uh, lap or whatever but i think that sometimes it's important to know you've done the work and this, you don't need to push your body this much further the coaches know that the practices are doing this for this sort of design and just running the races or running the workouts as they are meant to be kind of thing. And just, you don't need to be a hero and like do like 12 mile repeats in one day or something. Just it's a process. That's too much running for me. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Now I've heard from a couple of your teammates that you are one of the most detailed loggers about your trainings and your competitions. Like you have books on books about all your time. Where does that come from? And do you think you're over the top? Yeah, I'm probably a bit over the top, but I think that just comes from like my previous, I talked about earlier, my, my like intentions to journal and my writing, because I feel like I use maybe the logs as my journal 
<laughs> I don't know, like, I usually write about, like, instead of just, like, saying my case splits or whatever, my race splits in the log, I'll be like, oh, I felt great today, here's why. And then I kind of go into, like, oh, it was great to run with this guy today or whatever. So I think it's probably a bit over the top, but I mean, like, it's a good kind of release for me to have another, another sort of writing avenue that ties into running, which is just, like, a great release for me. <laughs> That's got to be cool, like, five years, ten years down the road when you look back and you can see those logs and be like, oh, I, I, I raced with him or I, I ran with him as training this day. I love I, I love doing that. It's kind of super cool. You can look back and be like, oh, like, August of 2017, I was doing this workout and I was running with this person. Like, I don't know, I'm happy I wrote that. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, it yeah. takes a lot of commitment in the moment, but then it has so much reward later on. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> People that often run are lifelong run- runners. Do you want to compete when you're in your seniors or what? Yeah, I guess 30s, like 40s, 50s. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I'll ever like stop running ever. Like I think I'll just come a time where like I'll like stop running like competitively, obviously. But I think like for me, it's like such a good avenue to like release stress and everything that I'll like I'll run I'll keep on running for like whatever once or twice a week for as long as I can but I think after I leave you think I'd like try and like race maybe like a half marathon like pretty competitively and see I've never really ran or raced that distance before I think it's trying those kind of distances and pushing my body like that way be kind of fun and then like I think I just want to run a marathon to see I did it because people always ask me oh you run for the track team like do you run marathons? And Laura's like, no, I've never run a marathon. So I think that's like, I feel like every, like, I don't know, runner was want to like say they've run a marathon just to say they've done it. So whether that's competitively or just for fun, I think it'd be kind of cool to try that out. Recently when uh, we spoke with Chloe in Georgia, I think I convinced Tyler to run a marathon in October, 2021. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> it's not so much. I'm, I'm not scared of the actual running the marathon. It's the training for the marathon that I just can't wrap my head around. Cause you have to run marathons to train to run for marathon. And I just, there's no part of my soul that wants to do that. It's a grind. Yeah. I think that's the one thing with, especially marathon training in particular. And I guess like any kind of sports training, but maybe like that, you've really got to love the pain and the suffering of running that much for a race that is going to hurt that much. And I think one of the things that was like neat, I remember at my like grade 12 graduating sports banquet thing, it was one of my cross country coaches was saying that like in running in particular, you've like got to be like pretty strong mentally because as soon as you start the race, like, you know, you're going to get your bell rung. Or like mm-hmm. in football, maybe you're going to like, you go across the middle and you might get your bell rung. But in running, it's going to hurt. You know, it's going to hurt. So like, you just got to get prepared for the pain. Yeah. I feel like yeah. those first few kilometers for me never feel good. Like they're yeah. always so tough. So I can't imagine when you're like in the forties, uh, just about to finish that marathon. It's going to be so hard. I, I have not experienced that yet either. <laughs> yeah. It's a huge difference between like putting up a thousand jumpers, that kind of pain and then going out and running 10 kilometers. Like that is a completely different level of pain that I do not want to get to. Totally fair. <laughs> but don't you want to say you've done a marathon? I do, no. personally. No. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> okay, top of the podcast, we talked about that we were going to bring up some hot takes. So I think, right. I think it's time that we hit those. So <laughs> as you know, we do a lot of extensive research for this podcast, it seems, as you can clearly tell with such insightful questions. So... Uh, You've been writing for the Martlet, amongst other publications, for a long time now. And we also enjoy dishing out some hot takes every once in a while. So what we've done is we've gone through, read some of your work. And uh, rather than hiding behind burner accounts in the comment section, we thought we would buzz a few ideas past you. So how does that sound? Let's go for it. I'm excited. (laughs) All right, Tyler, kick it off. 
Josh, you're a frequent listener to the pod. You know that food is a hot topic and takes up a lot of space on this podcast. You once wrote a column about your favorite Christmas snacks. What are your top two favorite treats during the holidays? Oh, geez. Is this something I actually wrote in the article? Oh, yeah. No, well, no, I'm not quizzing to. you. I'm just not oh, exactly. asking. Like, I can't remember. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, oh, I love... I'm a big baked goods guy, so I think that if I'm trying to like spin this into hot takes that like I don't know I love any sort of cookies you know like ginger snap cookies or like mm-hmm. brownies like those I'll take those I'll take those on Christmas pretty well do you like, guess, a, like a bit of a chewy ginger snap or do you like a rock hard one that's almost I'm like a chewy kind of ginger snap guy yeah okay yeah. me too okay, yeah good. and like so I think if I'm like spinning this into kind of like food taking this in a slightly different direction but I would take any sort of like I said take brownies or cookies baked goods over like ice cream every day of the week Honestly, yep, I, that's I think I would too. There's <laughs> there's some days though that like a hot day, that's a baked true. good just won't necessarily like do it for me. And yeah. then I think mm-hmm. I would lead towards like ice cream or something along those lines. But, but that's cool. where you got to combine it and get the cookies and cream ice cream. Oh that's yeah. True. That's a good call. Where you get an ice cream sandwich with cookies on the outside. A Klondike bar. I had one of those last week. It was delicious. Mm-hmm. Those bring back childhood memories for me, Klondike bars. Nice. <laughs> yeah. What are your guys' thoughts on oatmeal raisin? cookies i feel like those are always a big like controversial people like them or don't i like them personally i think it's a nice alternative if you've been like doing a lot of chocolate chip cookies to mix in oatmeal raisins i would say the same about peanut butter cookies too it's Mm. nice to mix one of those in i agree if it's a fresh oatmeal cookie i'll eat it if it's like three or four days old i don't want any i'd get it out of my sight i just give me the real cookie like i appreciate a warm like you know it's soft Mm. has a good mouth feel but I don't, I don't enjoy too much oatmeal stuff. I'm not a huge fan. Tyler also really doesn't like baked things that pretend to be healthy. So I feel like okay. this probably falls under that, yes. doesn't it? Yeah. That's yeah. a good take. I like that take. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hates muffins. Guy hates muffins. Really? It's not that I hate muffins. I hate that people think that muffins are good. They're that much better than donuts. No, I'd take a donut over a muffin, but muffins are good. Like, especially like, you know, those, my mom used to buy like, those giant jumbo sized Costco muffins. Oh yeah. Yep. Those That's are like so good. three meals in itself. Those things are huge. Yeah. They're <laughs> yeah, so they're good though. <laughs> so we, we obviously enjoy sports on this podcast, just, just a little. And you once wrote a column discussing the top 10 moments of the decade. So looking back at the decade, are you sure the Crosby golden goal was the best sporting moment of the 2010s? Yeah, I would still say that's the biggest one. I'm um, like, yeah, for me, like, yeah, the way I wrote it, like, in my opinion, I think that was, I, like, it was, like, way back in 2010, but it was just such a big, I don't know, maybe, like, I was growing, I grew up in Vancouver, I went to various Olympic kind of things, and I was at that very impressionable age of, I think I was, like, 12, so yeah. kind of right when, like, that kind of golden goal happened, I remember like, there were like, houses, like, across the street from me, they are just, like, cheering and yelling, and people were all just running out, banging pots and stuff, so... It was pretty crazy, but I mean, there has been other pretty cool sports moments in the past decade, but I will stand by my take that that was, that golden goal was the best sports moment of the decade. <laughs> number two was pretty hot. It was that the Cubbies won the World Series, and I, I see why it was number two. Yeah, that's a Cubbies fan. I wouldn't have put Bryant that in there. I, what about Anthony Bennett going number one in the draft? That was a pretty big moment. Maybe the biggest bust in NBA history. Yeah, yeah, I think that rise of Canadian basketball as a whole is like, a good moment. I mean, you have Wiggins, RJ Barrett, uh, Jamal Murray, like all these guys. So I think if you kind of count that, I mean, Kelly Olenek, 
Olenek, yeah. Of course, from Kamloops, yeah, represent. Yeah. Yeah, the Kamloops kid. Yeah. yeah, of course. So I think it's been super cool to see all those mm-hmm. Canadian stars. I mean, recently too, like I guess this is more 2020 now, but like Alfonso Davies kind of like with the white caps mm-hmm. and like winning Huge, Champions yeah. League and stuff. So that's super pretty cool too. Uh, just about uh, RJ Barrett, didn't you get the opportunity to interview him one time? I did. What? It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, I actually got a photo with him too. So uh, what's it like now seeing him play in the NBA? It's wild. Oh, like that was such a cool experience. Yeah, so they were playing. It was Team Canada versus Team China, and I was covering the game for the Martlet. And that was just kind of a really crazy day because I was. It was a Sunday, and I was working a Harbor Cats day game at one o'clock, and that finished at four. And I literally walked from the Harbor Cats stadium to Seaview Food Center for the game at like six or seven to cover that game. And then, yeah, I was I was so lost. Like, I didn't know where I was going. I remember I was on the court. I was literally, like, I think Kelly Linick was playing for the team back then, and there was R.J. Barrett was there, and I think Anthony Bennett might have been there, too. So there was, like, some pretty, like, pretty big names. And then at the, end, like, at the end of the game, we went down to the scrum, and we were all interviewing R.J. Barrett, and there was, like, maybe, like, I don't know, six or seven of us there. And I was, like, so ready to like, get my question answered because I was, like, I want to ask, like, R.J. Barrett. But what's it like playing with guys like Kelly Olenek? Because this was before you got drafted. So was, what's it like playing with guys like Kelly Olenek? And are you trying to learn anything from them as you enter your uh, enter, enter Duke University and you prepare for the NBA? And I was going to ask my question. And then I don't know, that was my first time I've ever really been in a scrum. And eventually when the time came, asked my question, or I just kind of butted in. And I just, I was talking so fast, I didn't even like, get my question out I was just uh, <laughs> stuttering I didn't even end up asking my question I was like felt so damn embarrassed because I couldn't even get it out and then somebody else asked the question I was like oh my god I'm like a complete idiot and I think like I might have like actually a minute later like found the confidence like re-asked the question and then RJ looked at me feeling kind of like maybe felt bad for me that I didn't I didn't wasn't able to like enunciate it properly the first time and he just oh like I'm focused on this one game at a time kind of thing cliche answer and I was like oh like he still answered it that's super cool and then that's like sweet. afterwards maybe breaking every journalism ethics I was like hey RJ snap a photo with you for my Instagram it was great <laughs> you gotta do it man yeah I mean once was in it, a lifetime opportunity yeah was it Cleve Deanshaw that stole your question I don't remember there was like a bunch of guys there <laughs> yeah. Oh, too funny. By that point, was that when Zion had already committed to Duke as well? Uh, yes, that was when they had Zion, they had Cam Reddish, and it was going to be new Duke wow. was going to be good the next year. That is crazy. That's such wild. a cool time to catch him. And right now, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's a good NBA player. He's, he's in a bad situation, but also a rookie. Yeah, so. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. But I still disagree. I think the number one sports moment from the 2010s has to be LeBron James pulling the. Cavaliers down 3-1 against the 73-9 Warriors. That's true. I think you had that number four, Josh. I just think... That's a good take. He did beat, like, the best team ever, I guess. I would even say, like, not necessarily on the court, but this decision was such a big moment for sports, too. Yeah. Yeah. Choosing Cleveland and stuff. More Miami than back to Cleveland. I don't know if I would still take that like number one, just because like maybe maybe I'm Canadian. <laughs> I just love and very patriotic Crosby, but um, yeah, that was definitely a huge moment this past decade as well. And I was cheering hard for the Cavs because I'm also I'm a pretty big LeBron fan. So me too. He's I got to cheer. Yeah, for this them. is a this is a pro LeBron podcast. Yeah, it's good. That's okay. I'm hoping I'm welcomed in here because I've always been a big LeBron fan. I remember like I think the first detailed game I watched was like that one game winner he had against Orlando in like whatever 2007, and he hits the yeah. shot and he's like walking. Away like that, I'm just like, oh, I yeah. love LeBron. 
<laughs> I was going to say, I think one of the best sports moments of the decade was the lob that Dwayne Wade threw to LeBron, and they got that unreal photo. Like, I oh, think the one against Indiana. Photo yeah. yeah, I think that may be one of the best sports photos of the decade, followed by, well, I think number one is probably the Kawhi shot where he's in the corner all meltdown yeah. with all his teammates. Number one. Okay. But number two, I would say the alley-oop is probably one of the better photos. Where, where were you guys when Kawhi hit the shot? Because I remember exactly where I was. I was, like, sitting in my rental apartment in Victoria. And then I remember watching it all alone. My roommates were out. And then, like, he literally hit it. And I did two laps in my kitchen just, like, running and screaming. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> I was uh, – okay, I was working at Lululemon at the time doing my training. And one of the guys who was training with me was a diehard Raps fan and convinced the training manager to be like, listen, let me just stream this from our phone. This could be an iconic moment in Canadian history. And I remember how quiet we all were. And we're like, wait, is that going in? And then all of a sudden, when we were just, like, we're yelling. It was so sick. I was at my – good buddy's place uh rental had a pool and there was a bunch there's probably five or six of us there and like we were having some beer it was on a sunday afternoon but it didn't matter we were still having some beers like there's a video of the reaction i'll show you liam i'm not gonna put it online for anyone uh, it's uh it's a pretty good time though i absolutely remember every second about most of that game so I love it. <laughs> yeah it was legendary yeah i would put that as the number two moment of the decade personally yeah that was a pretty big moment. One of the other things you have written about semi-frequently, I mean, like, aside from the important stuff you write about, uh, you talk about some sitcoms a lot. So why is The Office your favorite show, and what are some of your favorite episodes? Man, The Office is just so good. It's a pretty, Agreed. like, it's a divisive, like, topic on our team because people love it and people hate it. Wow. Um, Hold on. You're going to have to me- out some people that hate it. Yeah, if my Georgia and Tim Chloe Longley hate The it. Office, I'm no. going to delete their podcast. Georgia and Chloe love The Office. They okay, like it. Good. They're, they're on the pro side. But, like, guys like Tim and, like, Vlad, they do not like The Office at all. Wow. They just don't like that sense of humor, I guess. Maybe it's not for everybody. I personally can't get enough of Steve Carell. And oh, like, so good. The Office is just so good because it's so relatable. Everybody has, like, kind of Dwight that they've worked with, that Michael they've worked for. And just you can picture yourself into, like, their kind of shoes. So I think it's, like, relatability just makes it work so well. And it's it's so funny, but it's also they have their serious moments. And I don't know. I'm a sucker for the Pam Jim love story as well. So I like following that, too. And just kind of, like, it has the perfect blend of everything. Favorite episode, I'd probably have to say Dinner Party. That one's really funny. Dinner uh, Party is a fan favorite. Like, people love that episode. I think it's so funny. Yeah, I don't think it's that funny. Okay, really? you, you don't think it's funny when he's talking about his plasma TV? Plasma TV, yeah. Apparently, yeah. Okay, so apparently they were finding that so funny when they were recording it that they had to redo that take so many times because nobody could keep a straight face. I've seen that too, Liam. Like, literally, like, Steve Carell, like, putting it in. John Krasinski just can't stop laughing. Man, that is that is so funny. And it's just so, so cringy, funny. like, tension that's building up between, like, Jan and Michael. Oh, my God. It's so funny. Oh, God. It's a great episode. It's a great episode. It's at the top of a lot of all-time office episode lists. It's just not my, one of my favorites. Snip, snap, snip, snap. Uh, <laughs> I'm a big Prison Mike fan because I played with a guy at college here. His name was Mike, and he was... He had like this kill switch in him. And once he went into the dark side, we called him Prison Mike. And I just think him getting into that character and, you know, them accusing, uh, I forget what the guy's name was, about, about being the criminal. And it turns out he was. Oh, and then yeah. Everyone yeah. Making out the offense seem like it was better than prison than Michael Scott. Just, okay, you think it's better than prison? 
I'm going to lock you in here. I, I, think that's, that I think that's up there for me. That's definitely an underrated show. I want to give you a couple of takes uh, for The Office. Let me know. This All right. Is- yeah, yeah, please do. Okay. Hot take. This may, this may anger some people. It may anger you, but I do not, I do not like Kevin. Oh, that's, ter- that's Kevin a terrible is, Kevin take. is overrated. Is I got no time Kevin's for that. famous chili? Yeah, that's that like funny? the one good scene, but aside from that, Kevin is just not a good character. He's a very average character. He's he's oh, actually no, no. a really funny guy and a yeah. pretty good golfer too. He is, and he's very like he's hitting those threes in the basketball. The show. I, I yeah. just I don't know. I just don't like. I just never really liked Kevin's character. He never hit it with me personally. I don't know. Another underrated character is Toby. I can't get enough of Toby. <laughs> Toby's pretty funny. He's, he's more funny though, just because he's such an easy target for Michael. And like, exactly. If you yeah. like Michael, you probably hate Toby. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I can't get enough of Toby. They could have built out Kevin a little bit more. Yeah. He kind of like didn't really have a ton of traits. No, that's just what I'm saying. Yeah, it didn't hit it for me. He just, I just, I don't know. I think the growth of Kevin's character from season one till when I stopped watching at the end of season seven is a greater than any other characters. Like he was kind of nothing. And then he was pretty funny by the end of, end of season seven. Like I would he was, say like Kevin, like Kevin, I would counter that actually. I think Kevin regressed. I think Kevin no. got dumber as the show got along. No, no, no. That's but <laughs> dumber because it's funnier that way. That, maybe that's why. Yeah. Okay. Possibly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think no, one, of favorite, is iconic. one of my favorite episodes, Threat Level Midnight. Yes. Oh, of the course. amount of yes. hype that w- as soon as you start hearing about Michael's writing this story, and then finally there's an episode about it. Oh my god, it made me so happy. It was so funny. Yes, that is a great episode. Um, another one, Scott's Tots. Scott's Tots. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Scott's Tots. Yeah. That was hard to get through. I was like, I could not watch this. But no, some so, of them were gold. so cringy, but it's it's like funny cringy at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great, great show. Yes, can't get enough of it. Okay, so uh, another one we want to ask you. So each fall, people get upset with the time change. Uh, you wrote about the history of clocks falling back for the Martlet. So where do you stand on the debate? Are you pro-time change or anti-time change? No, like, I like the time change. Like, I personally mm-hmm. kind of do. I always have. I don't know, like, I just always... I know people like don't like it for sleep and whatever reasons, like, fair enough. But I just, I don't know, for me, it's always signified, like, the stuff, like, start of spring or like the start of fall so i always like those barometers uh mm-hmm. that was something i wrote about and yeah i don't know like i think it's just like a history tradition kind of thing so i, I have like, time change as well yeah, i also yeah. like when uh when the clocks jump and then you get an extra day of day or an extra hour of daylight too uh, i always find just something interesting that happens in the year too i never really know what's happening until a couple days before so you guys aren't grumpy two days after the clocks fall back an hour because you missed out an hour of sleep? Tyler, you, you, can just, you can just blatantly say that you hate the time change, man. You don't have to try and justify <laughs> yeah. this. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm not trying to ju- – I'm just providing the other side of the argument. Like you guys have sure. never been late the Monday after the time switch. You weren't late for class? No, I'm a, I'm a huge morning person, so I'm never – like I have no problem getting up in the morning actually. <laughs> Me too. And I, w- I also want to say that Josh and I probably had smartphones while we were going to university that auto-changed it. But uh, yeah. with your years, I don't think you have smartphones <laughs> back in your time, hey? Expose them. I, <laughs> I had a black – I'm not that old. I had a BlackBerry for the first couple. Then I finally clued in and got the iPhone for the last few. But nice. Big BBM guy probably, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, huge. I think everybody had to have a BBM face. It's crazy to think 20 years down the road, people will not know what BBM is. 
Yeah, I haven't heard BBM since my. I actually had an, I had a BlackBerry too, like before I had an iPhone. I was, it was grade six or whatever, grade seven, and my parents do an iPhone or BlackBerry, and like in middle school, BBM was the thing. Like you know, you oh, had yeah. your status or whatever. So I'm like, oh, all my friends have BBM. Like I gotta get a BlackBerry, and you play um, what's the game on Black um BlackBerry? You went yes, Brick Breaker. Yeah. Yes. So I had a BlackBerry in high school and it was like right before iPhones got popular. And then I was locked into like a three-year contract. So while everybody was getting iPhones, I was like stuck with this BlackBerry. Oh no. And uh, as soon as I could get out of it, immediately switched over to iPhone. No no doubt ever. And now I feel like, I don't know, whenever I'm texting, like using like iPhone, if it doesn't like turn blue, I'll get like subtly annoyed. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Oh, totally. When you're texting somebody without an iPhone. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's the reason I love group chats like Viber and WhatsApp. It's because of the BBM groups that we ha- that I had back in the day. Totally. Mm-hmm. Just like the instant connection. All right, last one here, Josh. We've had a great time with you on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we think you're a great writer. We think you're a great runner. There's nothing wrong with expressing who you are as an individual. But you wrote something in the Marlet that Liam and I find incredibly offensive. You wrote that the CFL is more entertaining than the NFL. Explain yourself. Yeah. I, I've always – actually, I fell in love with the CFL before I fell in love with the NFL. So I think maybe a lot of the article was about, uh, like, that early love. But I would I, I would give a, a hot take is that an entertaining CFL game is more entertaining than an NFL game. Oh, I hate that so much, Josh. Like, it's so true. Like, the thing with CFL, though, is that there's no lead is safe, man. Literally, in the last two minutes of a game, you can have, like – three to four different lead change oh that that part is entertaining i think the nfl is a higher quality game and i do like love watching that obviously more uh, obviously a lot too but i don't know like entertaining cfl game is way up there and it is fun to watch and like i remember having watching cfl games like lions game with my dad and stuff and it was pretty it was pretty wild just like seeing just those like quick lead changes but like on the contrary like if it's a bad game, it's a bad game. Yeah. Like so many punts and everything. Then and like the five yard flag when you have like the punt off and stuff, like too close, all that stuff. That can get pretty bad. But I'll stand by my take that entertaining CFL game is more entertaining than an NFL game. Is it I have- <laughs> more entertaining because a quarterback's past the end zone could go off the uprights and just end up, I don't know, anywhere? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> 30 to 20 yard end zones. <laughs> I got nothing. The end zone's ridiculous. Oh yeah. yeah. I got nothing against the guys that make the league like fantastic athletes, but personally I just think the game is a bit of a joke. Like the fact that you can miss a field goal and still get a point. The rouge. Yeah. What? (laughs) That shouldn't be allowed. Bigger ball, wider field. The end zone is like the size of an NFL field itself. Like what's going on here, guys? Like this can't this can't be an acceptable take, Josh. Uh, yeah, I, I'll stand by it, man. Like, there's the, there's the one famous video of like I think it was like the Argonauts in like Montreal or something when like tie game or whatever, and then like they had to kick the ball in and out for like the one point. Yes, yeah, that was kind of entertaining, was it not? Not really. I, I will say though, <laughs> I did hear the name Anthony Calvillo a couple weeks ago, and it was a bit nostalgic. I'll yeah, Anthony Calvillo just like takes me automatically back 2010 and Henry Burris and. Like, Buck right. Pierce and all these guys. <laughs> Just nostalgia. Fuck yeah. Pierce. No. Don't put him on the same pedestal as Anthony Calvillo and Henry Burris. Please don't do that. <laughs> Wally Buono, though. What a great Wally name. Wally Buono, yeah. Oh, yeah. G.R. Simon. G.R. Simon. There yeah. you go. Putting him up there. There are some legends that have played for the Lions, for sure. Yes. And definitely. coach. Yeah. Well, to each his own, I suppose. 
regardless of our disagreements on these hot button issues, thank you for joining us on the podcast today, Josh. We hope you're doing well and we hope you're making the best out of your time during COVID. Uh, we talked off air before we started. We heard that there are some new regulations that came out about practice size and, and that, that got announced on August 20th or 24th or something. So by the time this episode drops, hopefully, you know, the team is off and running by now. So thanks once again for joining us on the podcast. No worries. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast chatting with you guys. Thank you, Josh. Before you go, what are some of the athletes that we should reach out to on this podcast? We, we've gotten in the habit of asking our guests this. On my team or kind of like in general? Or? Just in general. Yeah. yeah. Anybody. So you guys got Anna on, so that was pretty good. You guys talked mm-hmm. to Chloe and Georgia. That's also good. I'm trying to think who else would be good. If you know, if you want to like Jack Bowden on our track team, he's a very energetic and charismatic guy who will just not stop talking. So he'd be another good guy if you want to talk to. You know what I think we should do, Tyler? Is I think we should just pick a name and then we should get three different varsity athletes from all different sports that have the same name. So maybe we could get your, your Camloose boy, Jack Savage. We can yes. get Jack Bowden. And then is there another Jack? Jack Hill. Jack Hill from soccer. Oh, there, that's a that's fantastic a, idea. That's be a the great Jack crossover podcast. episode, yeah. The Jack cast. <laughs> the Jack cast, there it is. Unreal. Well, thank you again, Josh. It's been a blast. And uh, we hope you'll tune in to the Jack cast. Sure will. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it. There you have it. That was a, one of our favorite conversations we've had on this podcast so far for a number of different reasons. Liam, a lot to unpack there. Anything that jumps out to you right away? I love some good office talk. It's hilarious when you can find somebody that relates on the same TV show as you do. And like you just get really into it because it makes you feel like you've found a brother or you found a sister, or just like somebody that is in your group of friends that loves that show so much. So uh, that's always a highlight for me. Any, any of that kind of like TV show banter and sports banter as well. We have secretly kind of been talking and being frustrated behind the scenes. Like, I just want to have like, I think I've said to you like four or five times, uh, I, even back before we even did the first episode, like I wanted to have an office segment to open up the show. So I'm glad that we finally had a diehard fan on the show. To me, there's two types of people in the world. The people that watch The Office up until Michael quits and then those who watch the however many seasons there are. I don't watch anything after Michael Scott's gone. I think he's the best character. What about you? I watched the whole thing, I, but he is an amazing character, like one of the best characters in any TV show of all time. But I do want to know, have you actually seen anything post-Michael, though? Or did you watch it one time and you're like, hey, never again? Yeah, I watched the full thing when it came out, but like as it happened on NBC once a week. And it just wasn't the same to me. Like It was still good, but I just think it's better. The show's better with Michael in it. Mm-hmm. I was surprised. Uh, no, correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm not usually wrong because I almost won an office trivia contest once. Michael didn't come back for the finale, right? Like Dwight's wedding. He, he was there. That's right, because he had the two phones because he had so many pictures of his kids, right? He had to get two phones? I think so, yes. Okay, so he's coming back to me. <laughs> oh, and he was yeah. like a, an old gray Michael. Oh, man. It's kind okay, of like when, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of relatable too. It's like when Gandalf dies in Lord of the Rings and then he comes back as Gandalf the White and you're just so happy to see him. Oh, mm-hmm. thank goodness he's still in this. Yeah, so. okay. On the watching list tonight, I'm watching this series finale of The Office. Okay, good. I'm happy. I think it's an hour-long episode too. It's a good one. I'm fine with that. 
Okay, let's bring it back to a couple of things that we talked about with Josh. So obviously Josh shared a lot about his personal story with mental health and we, we really want to stress how important it was to us to have that conversation with him because we know that a lot of student athletes and students or athletes or just people who aren't even in school go through through these sorts of things. And it's really awesome to have somebody that's advocating for it as hard as Josh is. Yeah. And I mean, just look around at our department. I know this is something probably a lot of student athletes are unaware of. I think it's getting put in the, the student athlete handbook now is, you know, our department's changing. There's rules getting put in place to provide more support to student athletes if they are in a situation similar to Josh. There's a lot more support out there than I think there ever was. And I, you know, I think that's a great sign going forward as an organization and as a department. So something that Josh mentioned is he was very like taken back to see his article sometimes in the Globe and Mail or other publications. So I do want to ask you, Tyler, what is the biggest publication that you've uh, written in besides Super Dave's Basement? Super Dave's Basement was pretty big time. I'm not going to lie. I had at least three readers, my parents and my, my one buddy who I'd send my Blue Jays articles to. So, so you're telling me that Super Dave didn't even read the blog that was coming out of his basement? Oh, heck no. No, he had no time for that. He's too busy living a life in the fast lane for that. <laughs> I did some work with Global Calgary, had the chance to go to a couple Flames games, cover a Flames game, a couple practices. That was pretty cool. That was a highlight for me. I've been pretty small time. Uh, a lot of small community newspapers, which kind of got me going and gave me a, a platform and a chance to go out and write and work and build up my resume to get the job I have now. So I don't know, I guess Global Calgary, which is unbelievably smaller scale than the Globe and Mail. Like that's an incredible accomplishment. And I know we didn't actually talk about this, about the U Sports correspondence, but normally in a non-COVID year, the winner of the U Sports Correspondence gets to like go spend a day or a week job shadowing people at the Globe and Mail. And I don't think that happened this year. If there was anything like that, I think it was just like a Zoom call where maybe they hang out with a couple editors for an hour or so. Just that alone. Okay, winning the honor is obviously sweet and huge. But if Josh would have got the chance to actually go and hang out with uh, people at the Globe and Mail, like that is an stepping stone for someone in his career like that is fantastic yeah that would be pretty unreal we did ask josh if he had any dream podcast guests or uh dream beats to cover but i wanted to ask you that tyler because we didn't actually answer that ourselves and i think of it yes my dream job i wanted to be shy davidi the beat writer for the blue jays of course big jays guy i don't blame you man especially now with all the young talent that they're pumping through it would be such a cool job yeah, I wanted that. I wanted to do the communications for the Vancouver Canadians. And there's a long story behind that, but I didn't get it. And I'm still bitter and I will hold that grudge against them for a long time. But what about yourself? I'm assuming it's a, a sporting event. If I'm going to guess, I'm going to say like you're an NBA reporter for ESPN. I think it would be unreal. I think it'd be so cool. I don't necessarily think I'd want to be on inside the NBA. I think no. that's like a huge stage. So I'd probably go something a little bit more be writer following a team. Hmm, just based on how things are looking for teams right now. Again, I think young talent is so exciting. And it's not that I love this franchise or love this city, but I think following the Pelicans and just seeing how good they could become 
would be so incredible. With that being said, I, I would also love the opportunity to do that for the San Francisco Giants too and live in San Fran, a young developing team and uh, with all that history behind them. The e, I'm a big even year guy. I love an even year. The even year squad, absolutely. And by the way, two great cities to live in. I've never yeah. been to New Orleans, but I've been to San Fran. And if you have to, so long as you can afford housing, I think those are two quite enjoyable cities. Another, actually, on that topic, I think an incredible NHL team to follow right now would be the Kraken. Imagine being the guy that got the first crack at the Kraken. I think that's oh so cool. yeah, yeah. That was that was pretty big news that dropped this summer. But aside from all of our fantastic athletes on the Vikes, if this was a non-Vikes podcast, who would be some of your dream guests? Um, yeah, we've already had Larissa on, so you can't go back to that one. <laughs> dream guests, you know that's a really tough one. I can pick athletes though, right? You can pick whoever you want. Okay. Bill Simmons. I, I've said it a lot of times. I think mm-hmm. Bill Simmons is just such a smart basketball mind, sorry, smart sports mind too. Tiger Woods, I think would be crazy. Ooh, yeah. I know there's a lot of controversy around him, about him and he's done good things, but he's also done bad things. And uh, I think it would just be really interesting to sit down and speak with him. And I know that he's like one of those guys in sports media that's untouchable. And on the untouchables, LeBron James. You you could not say no to an interview with LeBron James. It would be incredible. You say, sorry, you said LeBron? Yeah, LeBron. Oh, yeah. Yeah, got it. That'd be a great one, too. Yeah. Other funny guys, though, I'd like to sit down with Shay. <laughs> I can't even get his name, last name right. He plays for the Thunder. He's a Canadian kid. Shay Gilgis Alexander? Yes, I think he would be a really cool guy to sit down with too. Cause he's just a young kid from Canada that's playing some pretty good basketball and has like one of the best mentors in the league right now. That's an interesting pick. I would not have guessed that in a thousand years, but SGA, I forgot man. you're kind of a Thunder fan. So that's good. Not really. No, not a Thunder fan. Oh, okay. I guess I was wrong. Uh, I think Jack Black would be hilarious. <laughs> he would be pretty funny. School of Rock was one of my favorite movies growing up and through my young adulthood. It's going to be in my top five movies to go to Desert Island. Desert Island, another office reference. You're going to love this. This would be the podcast. We would just turn the mics on and we would watch a San Francisco Giants game and I'd just be in the booth chatting with them. The play-by-play crew of Dwayne Kuyper and Mike Kruko. Oh, God. For a podcast guest. Those are by far my favorite play-by-play team in any sport. Yeah. Now that we're thinking about um, actors, though, I would definitely like to sit down with Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen. Individually. I feel like together they'd be great, but individually you could ask them so much more. Yeah. Paul Rudd is fantastic. I heard him on Conan O'Brien earlier this year and hilarious individual. Imagine sitting down with Vin Scully. That would be really cool as well. No. Oh, you have to appreciate the stories that that guy probably has. I appreciate it. I just want to be able to sit down and watch a ball game and not have someone chatting my ear off, Chatty Cathy, for three and a half hours. The guy doesn't true. stop talking. That is true. I don't well, miss Vin Scully. Wow, that's a hot take. I think we're going to end it on that hot take. So, Tyler, if the listeners like what they hear, what can they do for us? As always, subscribe, rate, and review. But don't just subscribe our podcast. Subscribe, rate, review to Youngish Writers with Josh Kozell. Make sure you get those clicks, get those downloads, help us out, help him out. Both great episodes. I can vouch for that. I think we should say, I believe you can find Josh's podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts too, if you're looking for it. So, Absolutely. Yes. Right on. 
Well, thank you so much to our listeners. Thank you to Josh. Tyler, always a pleasure chatting with you. Hopefully we'll see you in Victoria sometime soon. This is it for our episode and we'll see you next time on Give and Go Bikes. Thanks for listening to the Give and Go Bikes podcast supported by the Ubic Alumni Association.